expect more in life by lowering your expectations on yourself and others and increasing them on God. Would you like me to read today? (laughs) I'm a little anxious up here. I'm going to get in the festive mood. If this offends you, I'll take it off. But for now. I was in some professional training a couple weeks ago and studying kind of very specifics about what I do for a living, and the guy on the other end said, this is an expectation breaker. And I was like, wow, that's an interesting term. And he said, if you don't act at this point, you will get crushed. And I was like, that's critical information right there. And, and that just rambled in my head the rest of that day. And so when I started is expect more in life by lowering your expectations on yourself and others and increasing them on God. What do you think about that? Is that easy? Yeah, expectations are a real interesting thing. So as I was thinking about expectation breakers... I almost left it out of my notes today. Like, that was the whole reason I was going to talk about expectations, was that comment, expectation breakers. And I was just sitting in my recliner this morning, and I was done. I was just kind of sitting there, chilling, doing some other things, not even thinking about this. And all of a sudden, bow! I was like, what in the world? I thought Caleb had got up somehow and snuck outside and took a snowball and just plowed it against the window. And uh, it, it sounded that loud, and so I, I you know, my heart was, I had it, it kind of, it uh, broke my expectations. I was expecting peace and quiet, and then uh, when I turned to see what had happened, there were feathers flying everywhere, and, and there was a little bitty bird sitting there staring up at the world. It had just had its expectations broken, Right? It flew right into that window. It thought that was the future, and its future stopped like that. Anybody in here ever had an expectation breaker like that, that your future just stopped right at that moment? Yeah. What are you going to do with that? Your emotions, I'm sure, are going to go crazy. Your perspective might change. You could get angry. You could get frustrated. But who are you going to do that with? Like, who's that bird going to be mad at, right? (laughs) Yeah, that bird probably still sitting there. It was still sitting there when I left. I walked out to take a look to see if it had changed its perspective yet, but it was still sitting there. But that professional training said if you have an expectation breaker, you better stop and reevaluate and do something differently. Isn't that interesting? Before I kick off, I just want to—I want to—I'm going to shift a little bit of your expectations today, and I don't want to be too offensive in doing this, just enough to cause you to squirm a little bit. And, and so I want to cause you to think. I was telling Phil earlier that I was a C student and didn't really start even looking at the Bible until I was 30. 
So it's a, it's a small miracle <laughs> that I could even talk about it today because I didn't know anything before age 30. And so uh, this is just, I'm going to talk a little bit about history, but also I'll talk a little geography here to see if you're, if you're, how connected you are. So, so the question is, how do you pronounce the capital of Kentucky? Do you pronounce it Louisville or Louisville? <laughs> I heard everything. It's neither. It's not Lexington. It's Frankfurt, right? See, I distracted you right there, just like this hat might distract you. And there's distractions in life that you can put your weight on those distractions and think that's where life is, but it's not where life is. And those distractions are going to cause you problems if you think that's what something is, but in fact it isn't. Our ordinary house was 1,500 square feet, had 300 square foot living room, and in that 300 square foot living room, we had a 10 inch platform made of wood, had a perfectly uh, groomed Christmas tree, real of course, that you would be a pagan to have an artificial tree, but it was a real tree, it had the aroma of a real I don't know what kind of tree it was. It had the aroma of that. It had, uh, it had the perfect spacing of the C7 lights across the tree. Each piece of tinsel was specifically put on the tree at a specific location. Can you see this tree? This was the tree in the corner of this 300-square-foot living room. The lights were dim. The sofa faced towards the... Christmas tree, the aroma rolling out of the Christmas was one of 20 to 25 different brands of cookies that were baked every year this time of the year, and the soft music of Burl Ives or Dean Martin crooning in the background, that was Christmas for me many years ago in the 60s and 70s. It was a much leaner time. The outside lights had already been strung Probably much like Clark Griswold. There was probably a little bit of cussing going on, probably some slip sliding away, but they were all there. And if one of them went out, the ladder had to go back up to unscrew those lights and put the new one back in. This was Christmas for me back in the 60s and 70s. A lot of great memories. It was an incredible time. Somewhere, so, so you, you, this all happened because every day on Thanksgiving Day, we ate, and then we went to the Shrine Circus and watched the Shrine Circus for most years of my life. If you want to know what happens in a circus, I can tell you. I've been to 20 or more of them, mostly on Thanksgiving Day. So all of this process, the buying of the tree, the, the trimming of the tree, the cookies, all this took place between about... November 25th and December 25th, right? Really, December 23rd, because we had big plans on the 24th. Like, Christmas Eve was a big deal. And so, just think of all that, all that energy that was built up to get this thing set. Do you think it was an old holy night? Do you think it was just real peaceful to get to that? (laughs) There were expectations that this event would go across perfectly, right? Because you had to have the the 10-inch stand 
that the tree sat on top of that because that left the perfect amount of space to put the perfectly wrapped presents underneath the tree or let Santa put the perfectly wrapped presents under the tree. And so uh, Christmas was a busy, stressful season during my lifetime as, it, as I was growing up. It was, it was intense. And my mom and dad, they loved Jesus, but they maybe didn't know some of this I'm getting ready to tell you. And their intensity level picked up with time. Like if you went to my mom and dad's house before their health turned, it looked like a Santa's holiday world there. I can't even explain how many ornaments and decorations there were, but it was a big deal. And sometimes there was stuff lost in the decorations and the festivities. Then there was Christmas Day, and I I vividly remember, I can't remember the age, but I vividly remember this process happening, because the presents were wrapped perfectly, right? They were just, they were an art form, and I remember as a youngster unwrapping those presents, and my heart picking up a little bit, and the energy level picking up, and then, then after you unwrapped it, you would set one down and grab the other one, and unwrap it, and sit it down. And then when I got done with the last one, guess what I did? My eyes went back to the tree. There had to be more, right? There had to be one more present because surely Christmas would make me feel better, right? Like surely Christmas would be the end all of everything. But there wasn't another present. And so my emotions would drop. And so then I would just kind of roam around. And all this effort ended up with me feeling discontented. And Paul talked about this. Some of you athletes in the room might know the verse, because uh, athletes kind of hijacked the verse, but it really didn't have anything to do with athletics. In Philippians, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you know that has nothing to do with athletics? What he was saying there, he's talking to Keith Tyner on that Christmas morning. He is saying, you can be content in Christ, Keith. That's what that verse, the context of that verse through Christ, you can be content with this thing. And so I was kind of, I knew that there was something wrong. I knew that my Christmas time expectations were wrong and that somehow, some way, I had to get over this. Is there anybody in here that's an employer or owner of a company? You don't have to raise your hand, but there's, there's, a, there's a saying for business owners and employers that says, yesterday's bonuses become tomorrow's expectations. Have you ever heard that? If you're an employee and you get a Christmas bonus, surely next year's Christmas bonus will at least be that amount, right? Surely you're not going to give up your swimming pool for the jelly club of the year, right? Surely that's not ever going to happen, right? Because if it does, we're going to go take him hostage and beat him. And, And so that's what expectations do. What happened yesterday, that's got to happen tomorrow, right? And so um, there are good expectations and bad expectations. Give you an example. I'm not a news junkie, but I can tell you this is almost true 100% of the time. Did you know that North Korea almost every year will stir the pot with the United States Sometime around Thanksgiving. Did you ever notice that? Almost every year. 
And you know why they do that? They do it because they don't want the U.S. military people to have a good holiday. Because the U.S. military in South Korea, once North Korea starts stirring the pot, they're on high alert the rest of the holiday season. Do you know that? But guess what the U.S. military does? They expect North Korea to stir the pot. So it's a reasonable expectation, right? I just happened to see in the news a couple days ago that North Korea was stirring the pot again. Anybody see that? And so the, the American military isn't shocked that that happened. They just had a reasonable expectation that that was going to be the case. And so as expectations filter in and out of your lives, you've got to realize that we have an enemy who longs to distract you and cause you to focus on the things that aren't the main things. Just like this hat could be a distraction, and it's kind of hot, there are things that the evil one can use to distract you. I don't, you're all unique, you all have unique personalities, but my guess is that the things that he uses to distract you aren't going to be the same thing that distract me. Like all that hoopla of Christmas that we did growing up seemed cool, and there's a lot of those traditions that we carry on, but it's not the deal. It's not the deal at all. Second Corinthians 11.3. Let me find that real quick. Luke, you should know that. You guys are just studying Second Corinthians. You don't have it memorized? <laughs> okay. Uh, that is me breathing. That is really creepy. Second Corinthians 11.3 says... But I, this is Paul, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve with his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. What does God want you to do? Just hang out with him. That's Christianity. <laughs> it's not any more complicated than that. He just wants you to hang out with him. But all of a sudden... We go Clark Griswold around this time of the year, and we start decorating things, and we start getting distracted. And, and the possibility that maybe the, the benefit of this season is just to hang out with our family and enjoy them or our friends gets distracted by all the busyness of the other things, right? Just just a possibility. I'm, not, I'm just saying this is what I grew up in, and it's a possibility. And, and so then... We start hearing catchphrases, and we jump in on those catchphrases like, uh, Jesus is the reason for the season, and keep Christ in Christmas. Those are, those are often indignantly said to unbelievers, right? I remember a few years ago that Starbucks did something with their Starbucks cup, and supposedly Christians lost their mind over what happened. I, only, I, I didn't know any Christians that did, but they were writing about it in the paper, uh, but I, I have seen my Christian friends get upset because somebody will say happy holidays or something like that. Or maybe they'll say Merry Xmas instead of Merry Christmas. And all that's just background noise. That's the, that's the craftiness of the evil one to kind of deceive us from enjoying God, right? Here's, here's the part I'm going to kind of stir the pot now. I haven't even started stirring the pot, but... Uh, 
There was a guy, and I did horrible in history, so I had to go research this myself. It was so painful. So there was a day, it was like our history started, I don't know when it started, but it started counting upwards once. You guys know that? Like we, we, they counted history down, and then it turned and started counting upward. Any, anybody have an idea why that might have happened? Like why, why years counted down and then upward? Anybody? Anybody at all? Ferris? Bueller? Jesus? Maybe, I don't know. Did you know that we don't use the, the terms A.D. anymore? They use C.E., the common era. For some reason, everybody's been out. I don't know. But, but, but so Jesus was born right around that dip where we counted down and then we went up, which is really a thought-provoking thing in and of itself. And then we, we have this thing called the church that goes across like this. The church was the gathering of believers in homes and places like that where we would sit and talk about Jesus, his goodness, how he's helping people like Kelly out of college or doing whatever. That's what the church was. And then there was this Roman emperor named Constantine the Great. And this was around 300 AD, so that's after the dip and we're start counting years up again. And Constantine, supposedly, they argue about whether this is true or not, started believing in Jesus. Okay, this is Constantine. And then Constantine is kind of an arrogant guy from what I could tell. But he thought that it wasn't cool to be meeting in houses anymore. And so he made it the national religion of the Roman Empire. And then he started building church buildings around 300 AD is when they started having church buildings. And so the people, instead of meeting in houses and sitting in circles and looking at each other, started sitting in places like this and looking at one person uh, like this is what, that's all because of Constantine. But then, uh, during Constantine's time, the, the church took a bureaucracy kind of look about it. And, and the, the national religion in Constantine's time, before he took uh, some kind of belief system in Jesus, was paganism. Have you ever heard of paganism? Anybody know what that is? It's kind of, I think the best I can say is just anything goes. Like, whatever is cool. Like, there's, it just doesn't matter. Anything goes. And that's kind of where our culture is today, wouldn't you say? We're kind of in a paganistic culture. Every, anything goes. But, but paganism was the thing before Constantine made Christianity the national religion. And so when, when Christianity became formalized like that, they would have conferences. They'd sit around committee tables, and they started getting indignant with the pagans. Can you believe that those pagans are acting like pagans? And the pagans had a holiday called Saturnalia, and it started about the 17th of December. Uh, they, they would go, it would go on for a week, and uh, I used the words. I said Saturnalia was a raucous raucous and debaucherous party is what I would say. And I don't like large words. You'll have to look those up for yourself. But I didn't want to use the smaller words to stir the pot anymore. But this was a mess. This Saturnalia was a mess, okay? And this was 300 AD, that Saturnalia. It was a celebration of the harvest. There was just stuff going on that you just have to read for yourself. 
And so this new bureaucratic church was indignant that the pagans were acting like pagans. They said, quit acting like pagans. And guess what? They kept acting like pagans. And so after a period of time, this church, Mom, is that you? (laughs) This church, (laughs) this bureaucracy decided that we can't beat them, so let's join them. And so they decided, so it was like the 17th through the 23rd was when Saturnalia, this big thing, happened. So they decided, this is my interpretation of it, is like, we probably don't want to have our celebration on the 24th, because even if we got some of our pagan friends to come, they might still have a hangover. This isn't in the history books, this is just Keith's interpretation. So if we didn't do it on the 24th, let's celebrate our holiday on... What day? The 25th would be a good day. Hmm. And what we're going to do is we're going to bring them in a room like this, and we're going to have a Christ Mass. Nothing against my friends that worship differently than me, but I've been to a few Masses. you got Saturnalia or a Mass. What do you think the pagans are going to do? <laughs> right? All that hoopla started about 336 A.D. So you just, you have Clark Griswold, right? And then he's competing with his neighbors. So the, this Griswold thing started about 336 A.D. And all of Christmas celebrations just kept getting bigger and bigger. And here we are today. We got it. Everything today. I don't. I don't even know what. I don't even know what you say. But that that is how we get to today. All right. And so, uh, the expectations of the month of December. I don't know about your family, but historically, that's just a stressful time for people. It's just a hard, hard time. And the expectation. All I was doing is paint you a picture that it was. It wasn't put on a solid foundation. It was put on ice. It's put on the ice of paganism and just shifted over because we want to celebrate this thing. And so that's Christmas. (laughs) But the celebration of Jesus can be any day. And it says that in um, Romans 14, 5, if you want to look that up, it basically says, you enjoy your days and I'll enjoy my days. And so on Christmas, I'll probably be rolling around with my hat on celebrating it. I celebrate Halloween, too, because you know why? Because I like free candy. That's why I celebrate Halloween. There's nothing deep spiritual about it. It just is what it is, so I'll celebrate Christmas. I guess the point I was leaning towards is that our traditions build expectations, and expectations have this tendency to devalue people. You ever notice that? When I put an expectation on you, that says that I'm more important than you, right? Is that right? Because it says I have the ability to expect something from you, and so that means I'm at a higher level. And so expectations on others tend to devalue them, or at least it's going to cause some conflicts, don't you think? Nobody else has conflicts but me. I have conflicts, so the, the conflicts can be really interesting. But expectations, they'll ignite emotions, good or bad. Uh, emotions can lead us to exaggerated responses for situations. 
sure none of you ever respond to a situation in an exaggerated way, but I know that that's what happens to me when I get expectations out of control and I start thinking things, then I start responding to things, and then all of a sudden I've got this big mess, and then that big mess takes me a little time to clean up, and then that cleanup time distracts me from just enjoying the simplicity of God. I made a list, and I'm, I'm not going to go into great detail, but I just made a list of disappointments that come from misplaced expectations, like just a general list, right? And I, I tried to do them sequentially, like birth, the very birth of somebody can be a disappointment. It could be a health issue, it could be a lot of things, an unexpected birth, right? There, there could be a lot of disappointments from just birth itself. Sometimes a church is a disappointment. When you come into a group of people and maybe somebody in here doesn't treat you the way you expected, then that's a disappointment. Then I need to go to a different group of people or something like that. School, school can create all kinds of disappointments. There's, you know, they grade you on a bell curve, and surely none of us in the room have average or less than average kids, right? Like our kids are going to all be straight A students. And so, so school causes all kinds of expectations and disappointments. Marriage? Marriage can cause expectations and disappointments. Children, Kelly, what were we talking? What did we call it? Uh, hoverboat parents? Is that what they called it? Is it? Huh? Everybody or heli- helicopter parents? Anybody heard that? Like they do that because we want to control and get certain expectations out of our kids, and um, that might work for you. My guess is it's probably not. My guess is that there will be expectations your kids just won't be able to keep. And if you try to keep them, it's going to cause conflict and a lot of emotions. And it's probably better just to get to know your kids and see who they might be. Career. That will create all kinds of expectations, won't it? I had a job one time. They told me they wanted me to increase my productivity 25% a year for the next five years. And that was just coming out of depression and burnout. Like, I just literally came out of depression and burnout. I'd only been working, what was I working? Probably 14-hour days. <laughs> we only want you to grow this thing at 25% a year. And I was like, hmm, that seems like a bad expectation right there. I could have said yes, right? I could have said yes. Health. Health expectations, right? It's... Uh, it's always the other person that hears that they might have cancer, right? It's not me that the cancer influences my life. It's the other person that has the heart attack. It's not me. And those expectations can cause all kinds of animosity, anger, and frustration. Death. Death, there's expectations on death. Like our culture, our pagan friends don't think they're ever going to die, right? Right? There's this expectation, I'm just going to live forever. And in fact, that's not true. I already mentioned people, friends, family, all kinds of people can, there can be all kinds of expectations that drop from there. Celebration and events. I just mentioned the Christmas celebration and and whatever celebration. If it doesn't hit your expectations, there's going to be this letdown. 
Uh, I was thinking about, about sports. I'm not as much into sports as other people, but if your team doesn't win the Super Bowl and they're this, this kind of let down over something that probably doesn't have much meaning to it at all. But the, but the, the, the inverse of all these, the opposite of all these, I, I, I have a list of biblical expectations that I think are reasonable. John 10.10, 10, he said, I came that you would have abundant life. You would have life more than you ever expected. It's not going to be like you expected. It's going to be more and better. And it's not going to be in the physical realm that he's talking about. I'm going to give you friends that you never expected. I'm going to give you fulfillment you can never imagine. But before that, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That, that's, it's not going to all be a perfect rose garden there. The thief, this evil thing, is coming at us and trying to distract our life. And so if you don't expect both halves of that verse, you're going to be disappointed. But it's real. It's real. Psalm 14.1 says, the fool says there's no God. My expectation is there's just a lot of foolish people around me, and I don't let foolish people cause me any frustration. Like it's just like the it's just like the uh, church back in the 300s telling the pagans to quit being pagans. Like if you want to change the foolish people around you, maybe you just become a friend of theirs and just love them. But my guess is if you're going to spend your time watching the news and hope the people go like with. With the news, our country, in case you didn't know it, is 50% votes one way and 50% votes the other way. Do you know that? <laughs> Just watch here in about 11 months. 50% is on each side. I don't know this room that well. We could be 50% each side here. And so we could argue about those things, but we're going to disagree at the end of the day probably. And so that's why I say that, that the fool says there is no God. And it would be foolish of me to worry about things that don't really matter. The things that really matter are enjoying God and learning who he is and what he desires. Ecclesiastes 7.1, this kind of ties a couple of those false expectations. People says, uh, greater is the day of one's death than the day of one's birth in the eyes of the Lord. That, that'll blow your mind, won't it? Does that change an expectation or two? Day of one's death better than the day of one's birth. Hmm. That's different. 2 Timothy 3.5. Sorry about this, Jim. I didn't get you this in advance. It says uh, people will acknowledge God, but they'll deny that he has power. Isn't that interesting? They'll hold to a form of godliness, but they'll deny its power. We serve, we are united with a God that can create things out of nothing. How about that for an expectation? Our God can do things that we can't even comprehend. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29, Paul clearly says that the world system for which we live is a train wreck. That this system, that if you're trying to work within the system, it is a train wreck. If you set that as your expectation, then you don't get too psyched out by the world system. But what he also says in those verses there is that God will use this train wreck to frustrate the foolish pagans who don't know him. So that they're chasing after this train wreck, and he'll use that same train wreck 
to say, you probably ought to chase something other than this because this is going to let you down all the time. That's a foolish expectation to try to win in the world system. 2 Timothy 3.12. Sorry, sorry about this downer word right here. It's Christmas time. Ho, ho, ho. 2 Timothy 3.12. He says, you will suffer. How's that for a good expectation? All those who want to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Mm. Peter said it another way. He said something like, like, why are you whining about this fiery ordeal that you're going through as though it's unexpected? He said, that's Keith's translation. But Peter says the same thing. And so um, why not trust God through this fiery ordeal or this persecution I might be going through? And this is the verse that you should underline in your Bibles today or however you do it on that electronic thing. Um, this one is the expectation of all expectations. This is the reason you should have listened this long. Ephesians 3.20. This verse should be the foundational one of your expectations. It is one that has helped me look to the future with hope. It's one that's caused me to uh, think bigger, more outrageously than anything else. It says, To him who is able to do above all, above and beyond all that we ask or think according to that power that works in us. Another translation says, He is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we can think or imagine. Can you believe that? I've got a pretty vivid imagination, and he says he's way beyond that. That's a pretty good expectation right there to put your weight on a God that one day I think that the three of them, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit say, you know what? We've got a pretty good deal here today. We love each other. We have this perfection that we, we luxurious, just enjoy with one another. What if, what if we started creating things and shared that love with them? What if we came up with something, I don't know, Jesus, what would you call it? Humans? Oh, let's create something called humans. And these humans, we'll let them in on our gig. We'll let them become part of us. Because I'm, we'll, we'll unite our spirit with their spirit, and they'll become part of our family. What if we do that? Can you imagine that conversation? <laughs> it's like the three that created it all had you in mind way before you were even here and are able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all you can think or imagine. And they're for you. The Trinity is for you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That's a good word. Wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective. This will change your expectations. Living wisely is the ability to see life from God's perspective and to uh, just change your expectations. My prayer for you this season and into the new year is that you can follow the Lord's encouragement in Psalm 46.10, which says, Be still and know that I'm God. Father, thanks for letting us hang out today. Thanks for this hat you gave me. Thanks for the celebratory manner that we have this season of the year. Lord, just let us look to the future and smile. 
Let us walk through our adversity and let us know that you've got us. Let us change our expectations on the things that are tied to this world and hook them to you, Lord. Let's, uh, let us just breathe in and breathe out and know that you care about us more than we can even care for ourselves, Lord. You're such a good God and such a great provider. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.